Welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm Cesar Hernandez, your host for today. In the latest episode, we're going to discuss Mexico's 2-0 win over Japan. And joining me to discuss L3 is Tom Marshall. Tom, how are you doing and uh, how did you enjoy the game? Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a game of two halves, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, you know, and not just because of the goals, because I think against against South Korea the other day, it was like, I thought Mexico played quite well in the first half and, and obviously went behind and, and scored those three quick goals in the second half when I didn't think they were playing as, as well, to be honest. Um, and this time around, it was very much a case of Mexico were a little bit fortunate to go in um, level at half time, and then and then after um, with those substitutions, with with um, Jesus Gallardo coming out, with um, Charlie Rodriguez coming out, and, and Chaka Rodriguez, who we talked about in the last show, and yeah. and Edgar um, Edgar <laughs> Edson Alvarez coming on. Um, I thought that I thought it was re- I thought it changed the game and swung it in Mexico's favour, and and it'll recapitalise. So so yeah, good end to the year. Um, I think again, Cesar, like we were saying on the other pod, a fair representation of over the 90 minutes of where Mexico is at. It's you know really good team going in the right direction, but obviously we're not without flaws. Yeah, and I feel like I mean just so it doesn't get lost on people because I I feel like it's so easy to be to look at the scoreline and be like, oh good, you know Jimenez got a goal, you know Chucky got a goal, Henry Martin you know stepped on and had an assist, you know well done to those attacking players. But I mean just a big big thing here that we have to talk about is just is Ochoa you know because I, I feel like not not to say that any of us were saying that you know oh Ochoa is no longer the starting goalkeeper I think if you're to ask most Mexico fans they would probably tell you that uh, and continue to tell you that Ochoa is Mexico's best option but I feel like after he came back to Liga Mekis his stock you know just went down a little bit we've given a little bit more attention or goalkeeping, you know, you know, attention to other options this league of Mackie season. I mean, we've seen Thala stepping up. We've seen some up-and-comers like Malagón, Acevedo. But, I mean, just today, just once again, Ochoa highlighting, you know, why he he remains Mexico's best. Yeah, and I think by a long way. I mean, it's, you know, that, that save in the thing in the 12th minute, is it was just a typical Ochoa save, you know, using yeah. that long arms of his to kind of flick it. But then, but then in the fifteenth as well, you know the way he came out and, and smothered that shot, um, you know, which is a really good chance to be honest. And um, but yeah, more than anything, it's the confidence. I mean, the guy's a leader. Yeah. The guy's been there at World Cups. He's done it at World Cups. Everybody knows that. And there's just kind of you've got a chore in net. You've got that kind of confidence behind you that this is a guy who who's been there and and, and done it and and succeeded, especially for the national team. You know, more than more than his club sides. Uh, um, and and you saw you know before the game, Ochoa was the one giving the speech. Ochoa was the one today yeah, who, who was yeah. the captain. Um, and you know I remember two years being in um, in Argentina when when Ochoa just really um, after 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 one of the games against Argentina, one of the I think it was a two zero loss, the first loss in in Cordoba, if I'm not mistaken. And basically Ochoa came out and said, look. You know, he took on a leadership role again. He said this this national team doesn't have a direction. It's actually quite interesting now, you know, two years later, um, you know, to see Ochoa still making those saves, but you know, Mexico winning this one 2 0 And and now, you know, I think what is it for, for Tata Martino, twenty two games into his reign, nineteen wins and, and a definite style. So um so yeah, huge positives. I think I think Ochoa's a big player still for Mexico. Um but yeah, do you wanna go over a little bit the, the first half? And, sure. and and where things kind of went wrong, and then and then maybe move into, 
you know, where, how 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 the kind of switch turned there and, and Mexico came away with that. With but I don't know. At the end, it was probably a deserved victory in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I got to say, I mean, just I was just really, really impressed with Japan in, in the first half. I wasn't sure if they're going to if they were able if they're going to be able to keep up that energy and that pressure. And by like the 20 something minute, I, I continued to be really, really worried that, you know, that it was only a matter of time uh, before J- Japan would end up getting goal here, no matter how well uh, Ultra was playing. And they just completely like, like I said, it was just completely overwhelming for Mexico. I, I feel like the midfield was fairly lost there. I feel like on the flanks, especially I, I was I was definitely worried about Jorge Sanchez, definitely worried about Gallardo, um, you know, how they were doing defensively. And it wasn't until late on into the first half that Mexico finally started taking charge. But that was definitely, for me, a, a very, very worrisome first half. Yeah, no, I mean, first of all, just with Japan, I mean, the whole squad is based in, in Europe. And it's actually quite an interesting national team with yeah. the fact that it's never been a power. Um, I think for quite a few years now, Japanese football has, has earned respect. You know, as a, it's a, Japan are a very good team. I think we saw that. We saw that kind of... And let's not forget they had a couple of big names out as well who didn't play together, who didn't play today. Sorry, so um, it wasn't the kind of first eleven from from Japan. I think that's worth pointing out. But um, but yeah, no, it was. I thought there was some poor performances for Mexico in that first half. Um, I think Tata Martino spoke before the game about not giving the ball away in dangerous areas, about not giving Japan chance to. To hit on that transition, the the you know the Mexican coaching staff knew Japan would can cause damage via that that route. So for for, for Mexico to basically do exactly what Tata Martino said don't to do is <laughs> is concerning. Um, you know, with with Gallardo, he, for me, he should have been sent off. Um, he should have you know he should have he got a yellow card. He was brought off at half time, but um, you know he could have got a yellow card in what the second minute. I mean, it was a late studs yeah. up challenge i mean it wasn't dirty it wasn't nasty but it was at the end of the day all around the world that's that's a yellow card minimum and and so i thought gallardo that was poor from somebody like him i thought jorge sanchez was poor in the first half in terms of you know playing out the back um i thought that was that was that was where mexico sometimes went wrong and they're trying to just just the the playing balls between the lines, between the defence and midfield, it just didn't click. And then between the midfield and the forward line, and and that resulted in in zero shots on goal. But but more than that, it also resulted in Japan being able to steal the ball and doing damage. And and you know yeah. we talked about Ochoa being a key figure. I mean that's because Japan really should have scored. They should have scored at least one goal in 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 that half. And as good as Japan are, if you if you put Mexico up against a, an elite team with three elite forwards and you know. Know, one or two good, good creative midfielders, then I think I think Mexico, like has happened against Argentina, you know, sorry for keep going back to that game, but I think even <laughs> for Tata Martino, it's a crucial point of his of his tenure so far. Mexico will get they'll they'll be two, three, three goals behind after twenty minutes if they play like that against a really elite side. I mean, we can't forget that as good as Mexico were in the second half and as good as, as things have been so far with Tata. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like there were three things that really changed things up. Well, first off, I think the one that's a little more obvious is that Japan just couldn't keep that pressure anymore. And they kind of like suddenly sat back a a bit more late on the first half. And then the second half, we could see that. 
I think the second thing, and one's a good corrector if I'm wrong here, but I feel like around the 30th minute, maybe it was a little bit early, maybe it was a little bit later, I feel like Mexico switched to a 4-2-3-1, didn't they? Or, or something along those lines. I, I feel like they might have... It was almost like it was suddenly Chucky was on the uh, was on the left wing. Orbelin was a little bit more like a cam, and then Pizarro uh, was on the right wing. And I think they he tried to get. It looked like Tata was trying to get Charlie and Romo to take charge a little bit more to so the midfield. But I think the big, big, big thing though was was Edson Alvarez stepping in after halftime. I feel like that's really what changed things up, and it really highlighted the significance. Uh, of uh, of Edson Alvarez and how he can really calm things down and kind of, I don't know, just or <laughs> just organize things. I feel like maybe oh. I, I don't know. If, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean he's a defensive midfielder. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean. That's his that's his job. He plays centre back. He plays defensive midfielder. He's a defensive player, and and I think Mexico. Um, you know, from what I'm hearing, Romo doesn't really, I know that Libero role is not for him, and then he's not playing a defensive midfield role either for Cruz Azul. And yeah. so I didn't think he was even that bad in the, in the in the first half. I just thought he, Mexico was just so open. And I think the problem, the main problem, was Charlie and Orbelin. They, they weren't taking control of the game. I thought they lost yeah. the ball more than they should have done. I'd have to look at the numbers on that, but that was just my perception when recording right straight after the game. This, So we've not had time to look back. Um, and I don't know, I mean... I don't want to repeat myself once again, but you slotting Guardado and Herrera into that yeah. team, I don't think that happens. Yeah. Like, honestly, I don't think it happens. I think they're, they're smarter. They know that the, the spatial awareness of when a team presses high, where they need to be in relation to the ball, into relation to the to, to the to the other Mexico players to, to receive that ball and to give the defenders options because sometimes they, a lot of the time defenders look bad and, you know, Jorge Sanchez, I thought, was poor in terms of playing out from the back. But sometimes it's because there aren't any options and I felt that Sanchez was left stuck sometimes especially in that first half because he didn't have anywhere to go um, and so yeah it was it was a very attacking 11 from from Tata Martino because you've also got two fullbacks there when you take when you put in Jorge Sanchez for Chaka you've then got you've got two fullbacks who are more attack minded as well um, and Gallardo on the other side so and then you've got a you know a defensive midfielder who isn't necessarily a defensive midfielder anymore. I mean, we don't really know what Rommel's role is going to be moving forward for club or country, but but he's you know he's 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 not a solid setting stone defensive midfielder. I mean, we know he can play centre back as well. And then Orbelin and um, and Charlie basically, I mean, they're 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 attacking players. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean that's 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 what I kind of thought. I thought in the second half. Yeah, Edson Alvarez, like you said, Cesar, definitely absolutely vital. But I thought his relationship with Romo as well. I thought yeah. both of them, they kind of just had that, they had a good understanding. They they, they were able to, to, you know, to match Japan in the centre of the pitch. And I thought he, he could drop back. And then it, it kind of just, it, it left Orbelin a little bit freer as well, you know, yeah. um, to, to be able to do his thing, to go and be able to find space. And same with Pizarro, to let, let Pizarro go and go and kind of, be that kind of you know search out space and and play it more in between the lines and I thought he had a better second half as well. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I thought that was a, a massive. And the other thing, just quickly before uh, before I shut up, is um, I thought Chaka Chaka coming on. Um, you know, obviously he doesn't bomb forward. You know, as much as Jorge Sanchez or Gallardo. And I thought that that also contributed to Mexico just having a much better balance. 
Yeah, I think I think that's the thing too in the second half is that Tata definitely got things right with his subs. Like it, it made sense to bring on Shaka, who definitely, you know, as as much as I, you know, once again I'll say it almost every single time we talk about L three. I just want L three to have a better option than him, but he just he just continues to be the best option at right back right now for Mexico. That's just. That's just the truth, you know. So uh, I thought Shaka did quite well, even in the last ten minutes. I literally cannot, see, literally could not see what he was doing, uh, just because of the fog, uh, which I guess we should talk about too, because that was some, that was some pretty intense fog out there. I don't like, I don't, I was on your TV, Tom, but literally, I could not see the last ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, but, it was, uh, yeah, it just kind of all the way through, and then they changed the ball to the orange one, um, <laughs> and yeah, the last 10, 15 minutes, I was just like, what's, uh, you know, what's going on here, but, um, but yeah, but like I was, but yeah, no, but yeah, but the, but the subs, though, I, I guess I should uh, continue talking about, but I think the subs were, were definitely spot on, you know, once again, we, we talked about Edson there, uh, and you know, Henry Martin too, like, I thought he had, get a great performance, I thought he, I thought he looked really, really, really excellent, they were just like doing a good job, like, finding some chemistry in the front line he had that incredible assist for for chucky you know maybe i know maybe it looks a little simple but just like the timing and the and like the weight of the uh, of the pass you know for chucky right there for his goal i thought henry martin really really stepped up and like you said there i i think with romo working with edson it really freed up other players to to push forward i mean bizarro I thought he had a pretty good performance. Uh, Chucky definitely had a pretty good performance right there. Uh, Jimenez, he it took a little a little bit of time there, but he eventually uh, found that goal there for Mexico. But I think, I mean, I, Tom, is that actually the first time that we've seen Romo and Edson playing the midfield at the same time? I feel like it was, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure so it was. Interesting. And, and yeah, I mean, I think what it does is it does coming from for next year now it does kind of introduce uh, another option and and like you were saying it's almost you know it goes it goes to a, a 4 2 3 one or 4 three, 3 where you've got instead of a one holding midfielder and two more you know interior midfielders you can have two kind of holding midfielders with with obviously one given a bit more license to go forward and then maybe a, a number 10 you know a, a kind of number 10 and um you know if if tata martino is you know, he, he's talked before about, you know, when, when the Tridente is mentioned with Raul, Tecatito and Lozano, he, he kind of took it upon himself to, to mention how, you know, that, that let's add Pizarro into that mix. And, you know, that that's the way actually of getting Pizarro in there as well um, and, and moving him inside, which, which um, you, you know, is, is, is another interesting option because Pizarro, I mean, he gets a lot of stick. There's certain players right now for the Mexican national team that are getting a lot of stick, and some of it I don't think um, necessarily justified. I think Pizarro today's performance, I thought he was quite. I thought he was okay. You know, I'm not going to say he was quite I like good. I say, yeah. I, I mean, I thought especially in the second half, he he showed what he can do, and even in the first half, I remember him, there was there was. Um, there was an interception where he was like on the edge yeah. of, of of Mexico's penalty area, and it's like he is willing to do that work as well. And I don't necessarily think he he gets the um, you know the, the the plaudits for for that side of his game. Um, but yeah, and and um, so yeah, that's that's what I think is kind of about the midfield. I think it does add another kind of extra factor now that that you can play you know Romo and and it's an Alvarez. And to be fair, Romo is really that that could be Romo's position. I mean, if you are mm-hmm. going to play. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's also a way of, you know, those transitions and Mexico look 
you know, again, really weak on the transition in that first half, like they did against, you know, South Korea, like they did against Argentina and and and, and Algeria as well. Um, and and I think that what you know, obviously, one of the options is is to play two older midfielders, and and that's obviously you know it balances it up so that you don't get so you don't, in theory, you're not getting as hit so easily um, on on the break. So so yeah, and. and I don't know. I think some other players just going through a couple of names that I think have been absolutely, you know, people just don't seem to like on social media right now. I thought thought Moreno again was. I thought he was good today. He was um, fine, and I thought he was, yeah. thought Araujo as well was was pretty good. Um, and I think the both both those two players have been kind of. I don't know. It feels like you know there's a downer on both of them, but at the end of the day, um, I think they're still two important players. I think the only question mark with Moreno, like we've said repeatedly. Is his age and the fact he plays in Qatar, but to be honest, the last t- today you wouldn't, you would, you, you wouldn't. I, I didn't notice a difference between when he was playing for you know Real Sociedad and and you know now that he's playing in Qatar. To be honest, I thought his level was was fine. I thought he was one of Mexico's better players. You know, I think when people maybe we're criticizing the back line, you know, in the first half, then I think that's justifiable to criticize the back line. I think a lot of the, the frailties from Michael's back line was from the flanks, you know, not, not the middle. I I mean, was it Modano's best performance or Araujo's best performance? I mean, no, but were they, was it a solid performance of them? I would say, yeah, especially Moreno. I mean, maybe Araujo would get a little bit more criticism, but I don't know. Moreno just continues to look really, I don't know, composed and confident. And he continues to be, and I mean, I know, one stat that'll more than likely be true. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, once we start diving into them, but I assume that Moreno is going to be the player who finished with the most passes for Mexico. You know, granted that is because they're trying to build out from the backs. So maybe that's expected from one of the central defenders. But the fact is, is it's that it's Moreno who continues to do that. And it's he. And I, I, I don't typically associate him with mistiming any of those passes either. Maybe it's because they're a little bit more conservative. Maybe he's not trying to push forward. You know, maybe it's not like someone like Salcedo who maybe t- tries to hit some like longer distance passes, but he's just, he, he, he just continues to be reliable, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just two, just two, two quick things. I mean, um, first of all, a question, if Moreno isn't that guy who's receiving the ball and, and have him, who, who is it? You know what I mean? What would you yeah. the Mexico defender? Would you trust kind of making those decisions, playing out the back? And just secondly, quickly, I mean, with Moreno, I mean, tend to forget, but this this is a guy who's played under Van Gaal. I mean, if you talk about playing yeah. out the back, if you talk, talk about kind of, you know, a thinking player's manager, then Van Gaal has to be up there. And he's also played under Pochettino, another guy who kind of under the Tata mold, who, who um, Tata Bielsa, you know, the, who also likes to play out the back. So it's, um, you know, that's what, that's what playing for those clubs and, and being in Europe, I think, gives you. And I don't know, I don't know want to harp on about it but when you look at players like Oberlin, Pineda and, and, and even Charlie and you know Cordoba and you have to think you know what point can they get to Europe and and you know not just Europe like Tata Martino said the other day it's like it's not it's not the same playing as San Marino as, as in kind of like <laughs> Spain or Italy or England <laughs> but which um but, it, but it's completely true. And and I think that, you know, what point can they make that move? And then this is going to be, for me, if they do make that move, it's going to be a big thing for the Mexican national team. How quickly can they establish themselves? Establish themselves? Because I think you see real evidence when you look at the likes of Lozano, Raul Jimenez, who suffers so much in Europe. 
and look at where he is and after all that. Um, you know, Tecatito, who had some tough times in Europe as well. Lozano, who was talking before this game about, you know, how difficult it has been for him. Um, you know, even like his daughter in school, he was like, look, he was like, I, was, I said to my wife a lot of times, what, like, what are we doing here? Um, I mean, the guy couldn't speak the language. His daughter has to go to school. She doesn't even speak the language in the school. I mean, Chucky's a very much a family guy, and, and for his daughter to be obviously suffering in, in kind of her home life as well, I think um, will have affected his performance on the field. So, um, so yeah, but I mean, you only you only get to that level that, that Lozano's reaching now and that Tecatito's at and that Raul, Raul is at by... You know, by by taking that step up and 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 testing yourself, and I think that's, like I've said, <laughs> again, uh, quite a lot of times, it's that's that's one of the big questions kind of circling over this Mexican national team. You know, are those players going to make the move? Is the a, a team's going to come in? A team's going to pay the money that the Mexican teams, um, you know, are going to be are going to be looking for? And um, you know, I, I think it I think it needs to happen. I think it's going to be really good for the Mexican national team if if that generation of players can. Can make it over to Europe, but um, but yeah, we'll 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 see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, especially since I mean, related. Well, related to that, I mean, you, you look at the midfield from the last game. It was Cordova and Charlie were leading kind of the attack-minded efforts for the midfield. You see, today it was Charlie and Orbelin, and you had Romo in there too as the defensive midfielder slash libero slash guy stepped up as stepped in as a, as a central defender, whatever you want to call it, and. You you do want to see these guys eventually take the leap of, like, over to Europe and not to go, be going back in a theme that we're constantly going back on. But like you've said, Tom, like would that first half have had been different if it was Charlie and Hector Herrera? Would it have been different if it was Orbelin and Guardado? You know, if you slotted one of those European guys, you know, would Japan have taken over as much? Perhaps, perhaps not. But I. I think we saw with the introdu- introduction of Edson in the second half that really really improved things for Mexico so I think it says a lot about how once again there these players do have a lot of potential they do need to make the step up and until then we'll still be looking back at, on some of those more experienced older players who are going to potentially still going to have a crucial role for Mexico for not only just the short term but perhaps for for a little bit longer too yeah I mean I mean I think it's normal in the national team where you do get that um, but at the same time, you need that generation to, to keep stepping up. And um, like, like we've said, you know, there are a lot of good players. It's just which ones are going to make a, make that jump. Um, you know, I'd say good for Alvarez as well. Um, he, he struggled with Ajax, you know, since the last international break. Um, I, didn't, I thought it was okay the other day against South Korea, from what I remember. Um, and, and today, I thought he came on, and like we said, he, he's kind of changed change the game to a degree um yeah. you know i thought you know it makes could just look so much sturdier so much you know stronger and and less kind of flimsy and less likely to get caught with edson alvarez on the field and i'm sure from his point of view it's it's a nice little boost of confidence going into a period now where he's he's in the fight he's in a fight for minutes for his starting spot certainly and you know he's gonna go He's gonna go, um, gonna go back now, and and you know it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to him, for him, but um, but yeah, I'd say good for him as well because you know I think he needed he needed that kind of performance as well in the second half. Um, trying to think of like who else we should focus on here uh, from the eleven. I think we basically talked to everybody, but I mean I will say I think you were I guess I think if there is one thing that we might disagree on is I thought I thought Pizarro actually had a very good game 
I think maybe am, am I overvaluing some of his defensive efforts from the first half? Potentially, but I feel like, well, for one, it was really telling how that first half was going where all of my notes that I were taking down about Pizarro or about him taking part in like defensive efforts. <laughs> I felt there were like two or three yeah. times where he was recovering the ball or like winning the ball back in Mexico's own final third. But I think after that, I mean, if you, I think if you couple that with how he was really pushing forward and connecting with Jimenez, you know, and co- connecting with Orbelin, I thought I thought he actually had quite a good game. I, as I was, I, I think if there's one player who I thought did quite well, um, other than let's say some obvious ones like Ochoa, or I would say Chucky, or maybe you know Jimenez for, for his goal, I, I, I think Pizarro really stood out to me. Yeah, no, I think he did. I think yeah, I think he did pretty well. I'd say Lozano. In that first half, you'd want to see him a bit more. Uh, you know, you wanted to. You know, now he's now he's got quite a few years with the national team. He's obviously a big player. I think him and Raúl went went a bit missing. Obviously, Japan have to take a lot of credit for that. For they're not just stifling that kind of like I said the the play. The, each of the Mexican lines, I thought they were very good and, and very they pressured the ball really well, very intense. Um, but you still want to kind of see Lozano, you know. Get over that, you know what I mean, and, and and make a, you know, find find more space and, and a bit same with Raúl in a way. I thought he was kind of smothered out the game in that first half, but yeah. you got to say those are the guys who scored. Those are the guys who scored the goals. So they, they came back. They they Mexico worked it out, and I think I think that's another big thing with this with this result as well. Um, you know, we're not. It's not about all about results by any means. Um, but you know what, twenty two games, nineteen wins, uh, for Tata Martino's Mexico. I mean. This is good. This is this boosts confidence. This kind of you know gets keeps everything on the right path. And Tata Martino isn't the kind of person who's gonna you know go back to Argentina for his you know for do asados for the next three months and and kind of be um, you know just just reveling in how good everything is. He knows very that there's still a lot of things to improve. And he said that the other day before the game. Um, and it's obvious. And it's it's. Um, it's, it's the good thing about Tata. He's been there and he's seen it. I mean, I think if there's one difference between him and Osorio and, and you know, previous Mexico coaches, even La Volpe and, and going back, the thing about the thing that stands out about Tata Martino, uh, more than the tactical stuff, more than the, the way he selected the, the players, more than the discipline even, um, is that he's been there. You know, he's done it. He's, he's done exactly what he's trying to do with Mexico with, with the Paraguayan national team. You know, he reached a quarterfinal with Paraguay. He changed the style of play of the Paraguayan national team. Traditionally, such a physical team, you know, the aerial game, that's the that's the kind of historical stereotype of Paraguayan football. Tata Martino came in there and said, right, we're playing out the back. You know, I mean, he's been there, he's done it. And I do think that this this group of Mexican players is obviously much more um, amenable to, to Tata Martino's style compared to Paraguay was. He's been there with Argentina. He knows what it is to reach Copa America finals. He knows the pressure that, that he's under. And there's no greater pressure in Mexico than there is in Argentina to win those type of games. I mean, you know, it, that's just that's just the way it is. So I think that's the, that's the thing with Tata. He, he's been through these kind of processes before and he, he knows how to how to manage him. He's not going to get carried away. So, um, so yeah, I think that's that's a positive. I think you know playing in Europe as well. Um, I think that you know, I, I, some of the players mentioned coming out of the comfort zone and stuff like that. It's like it's not exactly you're not exactly. And I've said this before. You're not exactly in you know playing Argentina away in the Bombanera. I mean, you know, I think I think that obviously 
even wherever these games were played, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be kind of fans in the stands anyway. Right. I think right. the big, I think the important thing, or not the important thing, but the one of the things we haven't kind of mentioned is for those Europe-based players, there's no kind of time difference, or there's very little time difference, so it's just much easier easier as well to slot in. Um, and I think the other thing about playing games in Europe is it's easy to get opposition. You know, it's much easier to say to Japan, whose players are all based in Europe, hey, let's have a friendly in Europe, than to say Japan, who, you know, obviously a wealthy nation, to say, oh, hey, Japan, do you want to come over to the States and we'll do a friendly, you know, in, in November? You know, that that's the, that's the problem with Mexico playing in the States so often as well, just getting that opposition. I mean, I think they've done a pretty good job. I mean, it would have been Greece, Czech Republic and, um, and Colombia, you know, the, the first three friendlies of, of this year if without the COVID-19. Um, you know, Mexico's played, you know, Japan, Korea Republic, um, Algeria and the Netherlands. I mean, but the thing I'd argue, though, is that there's only the Netherlands that is, a, you know, a top top 15 team out of those. Um, so, so, like I said, again, let's not let's not get too carried away, but things are on the right path. At the very least, <laughs> I know, I know we're, we're close, we should be closing things out soon, but I think also this international break, uh, this recent one was very good for, I guess you could say the mentality of the Mexican player. And what I mean by that is just the two, you know, very different struggles that they had in the first half uh, of each game and the first half against South Korea, it was them not, you know, capitalizing on a number of chances that they had. And then eventually the second half, you know, maintaining the rhythm and being able to get those goals. And then this one against Japan, I mean, you definitely needed a big performance from Ochoa, but he's still part of the starting 11, but just really having to go through that first half and then bouncing back in the second half and getting the win. So I, I think it's, for me, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe it's a bit of a stretch to say that this is good for the mentality of the players, but I think for me, it feels like a, a positive just to have the players go through those you know, difficulties in the first half and to really bounce back in the latter sta- stages of these games. So I think for me, that, that that's one of the bigger takeaways for me that I, f- from this international break. Yeah, coming from behind and, you know, and, and turning it around, exactly. And I think it breeds confidence. It breeds confidence, yeah. um, not just amongst, um, not just between the players, but between the players and Tata, you know, the, 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 the coach, especially today at halftime, that the coach has been able to make those changes that has then impacted the game. I think kind of, um, and, and you, can, you can see, I think, I think um, Hector Moreno's talked about about Tata Martino in positive terms. I think uh, Chucky Lozano saying, "Yeah, you know things are going things are going really well." With it, you know, we I don't know. I feel this is going to be a good good kind of process. So, so yeah, things uh, things on track. The other the other thing I think I'd say as well is about not getting carried away. I mean, that's a decent Jap- Japanese team. Yeah, you know? and I think if Japan were playing that the first eleven, um, you know, with the players from Liverpool, with the player from from Valencia, the young kid from Valencia, cool. Ubo, you know the starting goalkeeper. You know, I mean, that, that it might have been a different story today, and and I think that's again that's you, you we got to keep that in mind as well. But um, but yeah, good stuff, enjoyable as well, Cesar. I think just yeah. to finish up, I think I think we said this about the end of the last international break, but um, it's just enjoyable. I mean, like you know, sometimes especially people in Europe don't kind of like these. Inter- international breaks and and what happens and and once again i think mexico's just 
just enjoyable to watch. It's not boring games, you know what I mean? It's and just that's the nature of how Mexico are going to play under Tata Martino. I mean, they're going to concede chances like we saw in the first half today. And they've got potential to, to do what they did against South Korea and score three three goals in in three minutes. So um so yeah, it's it's exciting. Exciting to to kind of to watch and cover this national team um that plays that plays in that style, to be honest. Yeah, five goals and two games you get two goals from Jimenez a goal from Chucky a goal from Antuna and one from Salcedo I'm happy with that <laughs> I'm happy for that I'm, I'm, I definitely know I mean yes we have complaints but at least like as you mentioned from an entertainment you know standpoint yeah no complaints here at all whatsoever when it comes to watching Mexico but Tom any any other final thoughts or, or just a final thought uh, before closings out no yeah just a bit of a shame really that you know, kind of got back into the groove of the uh, the international stuff, and now looks like it's going to be March before Mexico next plays again. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be in the in the states or Mexico. I think it's going to be in Europe again, or certainly, you know, plans are obviously even these games. Let's not forget how how late it was that these games were confirmed. You know, the opponents and where they were going to be played, and so obviously with the situation the world's in, we're not we're not quite sure, but. It looks like Mexico are going to do something similar in March, and then and then obviously come come back over this side of the world again for next summer, and 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 then it from then on really it's Concacaf City. I mean, it, it, it really yeah. is. <laughs> I, uh, but but yeah, the final thing is as well, you know, just just to end the year is that Mexico are going to be in the top ten of the FIFA World Rankings. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not not cause to to necessarily throw a party or whatever, but it's Mexico's creeping up to those that top seven, and if Mexico can get a top seven at Qatar and avoid the, you know, not that Mexico usually do well against the really big teams, but you know, avoid the Brazils, avoid the, you know, the Spain, the England, the the, the France, the Belgian. If they can do that, then then it does open that path to finishing the group in first place and avoiding what happened at, at Russia, um, in Russia, sorry, where, you know. You face Brazil. I mean, nothing's guaranteed, obviously, in World Cups, but all the all the things that can go right and wrong, and you, that you can try and do to to have success in a World Cup, if you can be a top seed, then that's that's quite an important one. Yeah, which is why Mexico shouldn't take those matches uh, against Concacaf teams in official comp. You know, if it's if it's a Nations League game, if it's a Gold Cup, you're like, don't take those for, for granted at all because those still weigh a lot in those FIFA rankings as opposed to wins uh, during friendlies. But that's a different podcast in itself too, because we can talk about that, like significance of the FIFA rankings and whatnot. But I think uh, that's it for us. Uh, Thank you to Tom for joining me. Big thanks to producer Amy for uploading these pods. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Show and on Instagram at the Mexican Soccer Show. Thanks once again. And until next time, we'll see you in the next episode. See you guys around.